the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Bulletin cover. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. If we love one another. It's two days before Valentine's Day. The hymns, scripture readings, meditation, bulletin. It all has that theme of love. You're about to see a video. It's about six minutes in length. It is a mini-sermon. It's part of that series, Now is the Time. We ask you that if you did something you didn't think that you had the courage to do, we want to know the story. And then we ask you, as part of that story, how did it affect your life? How did it affect the lives of other people? And how did it affect your relationship with God? This video is Carrie Hallman, her adoption of her daughter Hannah, whom so many of us know. And when that adoption occurred, she had to fly halfway around the world to get Hannah. Such a touching video. Tim, thank you. I feel like my story is different than the other stories that we've been hearing. I don't feel like I've done a great thing and I get way too much credit from people saying that I saved Hannah and it was really the other way around. Hannah really saved me. My story I feel like is more of a lesson of releasing your plan for your life and letting God's plan take over and realizing that those two plans may not always go in the same direction and that's okay because in the long run his plan is always his will and is always the best for your life my story kind of begins in 1994 when I experienced a pretty significant breakup and thought that God had kind of abandoned me and not allowed me to find somebody to love and my friends being three or four years out of college were getting married and having a family and that wasn't the direction that my life appeared to be going and I was pretty broken up for a while and I had the opportunity was invited to a colleague's baby shower at another school. It turned out that she was adopting a baby from China. And when I walked into the baby shower and and saw what she was doing, it was like God revealing to me that this was a direction that he might take me. And I didn't act on it at first. I was still relatively young. I was only out of school, out of college for about four years. And I just kind of put it in the back of my mind, and it gave me peace that I didn't have to have the pressure of finding Mr. Right, 
that there were other alternatives. And I had the opportunity to release that pressure. It remained in the back of my mind with everything that I did. But I just enjoyed life and bought my house and things moved on. It wasn't until 2001 that I decided to take the next step and try to make my plan happen. And I remember hearing the Queen song one day, um, Find Me Someone to Love. And I had listened to that song so many times after the breakup and praying, God, find me someone to love. And after bringing Hannah home, I heard the song and it was like a light came on and I realized all those years that I was praying to find someone to love and in my mind it was a husband and a father and it turned out that God's plan wasn't a husband and a father it was a a child that I flew halfway around the world to be united with and I truly believe that God brought us together it was his plan it was not anyone in China's doing it was not my doing it was his plan that we were brought together I tell her that all the time. And when she came home, she, my parents and I would always say, she caught up so quickly it made our heads spin. Just the, the love and the nourishment and the attention. By the time she was 14 months old, she was walking. When I got her at eight months old, she could hardly hold her own head up. Eight months old, she should have been crawling. She should have been sitting up. She couldn't do any of that. We had to support every part of her. She was so limp. Um, By the time we left China, she was bouncing around. She was sitting up on her own. She caught up so quickly. She got her first two teeth in China. She started eating rice cereal in China. And... By God's grace, she has blossomed into this beautiful young lady, intelligent and kind, and the light of my life. I think you have to be open to hearing his voice. I wasn't at first. I didn't understand. And the nudge that I got in taking my journey, I didn't recognize that that was his his hand nudging me in that direction. And I think being open to trying things that are a little scary, that seem out of your comfort level, to I can and I will. I can be there and I can do it, and I'm not sure how it's going to turn out, 
But if it's God's plan, it's always going to turn out the way he wants it to turn out. And it's going to be great. And you just have to let go. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Great courage and great love. When we taped that video a month ago, Carrie said something that has stuck with me. She said, I kept waiting for God to send someone to love me. And then I realized that maybe I was on this earth to love someone else. And at that point is when God put it in her mind and heart to find somebody, and that somebody was Hannah. There is a verse in the Bible, it is the sweetest single statement about God in the entire Bible. And it is the most important thing that you or I or the 500 people that were downtown yesterday homeless and sick. It is the most important thing that we could ever know about God. Those three words are found in 1 John 4, 16. It says, God is love. Bible spends a lot of time talking about the power of God. The creation of this world, the miracles done by Jesus, and the list is endless. But if the Bible would have you know one thing about God, it would not be that he is a God of power. The one thing the Bible would have you know about God is that he is a God of absolute love. Do you really realize how many doors are opened when you realize that God is love? The things that keep you bound in, the fears and worries that keep you bound in, the courage to go after an orphan who lived in China, a young baby, knowing that he's going to be a single mom when this happens. Do you realize the doors that are open The hours, weeks, months, and years spent in fear and worry that are no more. If you know deep down in your hearts that God is love. If his power doesn't help me a lot. Doesn't help me a lot if he's a God of power. As I said last week, so he created this universe. How does that help me? But if I know he's a God of love. And I know how deeply a mother and father love their children. And when I see etched in Carrie's face her love for Hannah, if I know how much an earthly parent loves us, if I know the comfort I receive when I used to call my dad or talk to my mom still, as a child crawling into their lap, falling asleep in their lap, As a teenager sitting there talking with my dad and all of a sudden the fears and the worries I had about some circumstance or some decision I had to make. Just talking to my dad, those fears are lifted. 
is a heavenly father. And if I know that he is a God of love, everything changes. Do you realize how many doors open? Do you realize how many questions are answered? You and I sit and say, when I get to heaven, first thing I'm going to do is say, God, give me an answer to this. Uh, Why did this happen on this earth? First thing we ought to do is praise him that we're in heaven. But we sit and think, first thing I'm going to do is going to ask him a question. If it's in uh, the bottommost part of your heart that he is a God of love, our questions become obviated because we understand that he's a God of love. And whatever events happen in our life, he was walking hand in hand with us. His wisdom far greater than us. From the moment Satan was cast down from heaven, he has walked the corridors of this earth. And every human being ever born, he has whispered four words, God is not love. And he points to cancer in children and he points to car accidents that leave someone in a vegetative state for years. And he points to the things you see on television every single day. And he points to drive-by shootings and he points to miscarriages and the list goes on and on. Satan points those things out and he says, God is not love. He does not tell you, 2 Samuel 14 verse 14, he does not tell you, I'm the one who brings suffering. He wants you to forget that. He points a finger at God and says, God is not love. Because he realizes that the moment an individual believes in the deepest part of their heart that God is love, he's lost his hold on them forever. He's lost his hold on them. Some fed the 500 yesterday. Some gave clothes and toiletries to the 500 yesterday. I did what I did last time. I walked around with a sheet of paper on a clipboard. And I guess it made me look official. Before it all began, I had a prayer. 500 people, I have a prayer in front of them. Asking for God's presence to be with us on that day, for his love to shine forth. So they knew I was a minister when I came up to them. And this time when I came up to them, I asked two questions. I said, what is your greatest joy? And then I asked them, what is your greatest need? Their greatest need for most housing, for some relationships with sons or daughters restored, for some health, For some jobs, when I asked the 25, 30 people what their greatest joy was, I was dumbfounded by their answer. 90% of them, are you ready? 90% of them said, my greatest joy is my faith in God. And I'm sitting there dumbfounded. They spend 30 days in a mission house 
And then they have to leave for 30 days. And I asked them in the 30 days that you're not in the mission house, where do you live? Well, I sleep on the L train. Or I sleep under the bridge. And when I asked them what their greatest joy was, they said, my faith in God. I just said to you that Satan goes up and down the corridors of this earth. And he whispers and he shouts to people, God is not love. And the last thing I thought to hear from those who were homeless, for those who had major illnesses, for those who have sons and daughters, husbands and wives in prison, the last thing I thought I would hear from them, their greatest joy, their faith in God. What prompts that? What prompts that is their belief that in spite of their circumstances, God is love. That's what prompts that. The storm going on in your life. God's with you in the storm. Why? Because he's a God of love. The fire that's going on in your life that Isaiah says won't consume you. Why won't it consume you? You have a protective barrier. Who's the protective barrier? God. Why is he the protective barrier? Because he is a God of love. The fires and the storms and the floods. When the flood comes, it will not drown you. Why? Because you have a life preserver. Who is a life preserver? God. Why is he there? He's a God of love. Says to the disciples day before he dies, John 16, 33. In this world there will always be storms. You think you have storms? Go downtown next time, three months from now. With all God's people. Twenty people from Trinity there yesterday. Go downtown in three months. If you want to see storms... They're there. You want to see God's love? It's there. Loud and clear, strong and vocal. In the storm, he's love. In the fire, he's love. In the flood, he's love. How do you learn about that love of the Bible? 7,000 promises in the Bible. Every one of 7,000 promises with one ingredient, God is love. 600 biographies in the Bible, every biography with one ingredient, God is love. Two-thirds of the biographies, they believe in God, they come to him, a third of them they fail to. But every biography, God is love. Samson and Moses and the disciples and all of them, God is love. How do you learn he's a God of love? Those small groups you belong to. Some event going on in your life and you're surrounded by fellow Christians who pray for you, support you, and remind you that God is with them and they are with them. How do you know that God's a God of love? 180 days 
in that parochial school if your child's there. Learn it every day. How do you learn that God is a God of love from a mother or father that no matter what goes on in their life in the realm of blessing or trial, out of their lips to their children come the words, God is with us. The mother had died yesterday. The mother had died. 36 years of age, she had died. Tuberculosis. Didn't think that still existed. The grandmother is raising the three children. And as I'm talking to the grandmother and the three children, the oldest being 15, asking them where they go to school, the neighborhood, da-da-da-da-da. She's talking about walking to school and the fear that she has when she walks to school every morning and comes back in the evening. She says, the only thing that alleviates my fear is the fact that as I walk to school, I realize the books are in one hand. And my Lord, this from a 15-year-old, my Lord is holding my other hands. And as long as I remember that God is with me, my fears go away. God is a God of love. Three or four of them asked me a startling question as we stood in a corner privately. But not so startling a question because the same question was asked six weeks ago by one of our members. They asked me, is my situation because of some sin my parents committed or my grandparents or some sin that I committed? Is my situation, my health, my homelessness, my inability to get a job, is it because God is punishing me for some sin? The gentleman six weeks ago, terminally ill, he asked me that question as the family leaves the room. This sin I committed, I said to him, you're in church every Sunday. You've heard me preach about this many times. He said to me, but now it's me, it's not someone else. And now it's my sin, not someone else's sin. And now it's me getting ready to stand in front of God. I have to know whether God's love is limited, whether the sin I committed 55 years ago can be forgiven by him. And those four people yesterday, downtown Chicago, is it some sin that has caused God's smile to leave my life? God is a God of love. You and I love people as long as we think they deserve our love. Let them do something to harm us. Let them betray us in any way, shape, or form in our estimation. Our love for them vanishes. In two weeks, it's Transfiguration Sunday. 
And three days after that, it's Ash Wednesday, and we'll be staring at a cross for 40 days. And on that cross, there are three words. They are not God is power. The three words that we'll be looking at, God is love. Did God say to the prodigal son, you're done, we're finished? Did God say to King David when he committed adultery with Bathsheba and killed Uriah, did he say to David, we're done, you're finished? Did he say to Simon Peter when Simon Peter betrayed him in the courtyard, did he say to Simon Peter, we're done, you're finished? Did he say to the thief on the cross when he asked him, remember me when you come into your kingdom, did Jesus start laughing on the cross and say, you got to be kidding me. We're done, you're finished. 600 biographies in the Bible. Every single story, save for one, Hebrews 5.8, save for Jesus' story, every one of them touched by sin. And God never said to one of the 600, and he never said to David or Abraham or Moses or the 12 disciples, he didn't even say it to Judas Iscariot. He he never said, we're done, you're finished. If God could place into our minds and hearts that when we sin, no matter the nature of that sin, Psalm 103.12, that sin is trampled under God's feet. It's cast into the depths of the sea. I said to the gentleman six weeks ago, I said, your sin has become an idol. You think you've committed a sin so powerful that it's stronger than God. He said to me, never thought of it that way. Never thought of it that way. And I do believe that in his heart, for the first time in 55 years, he understood by the working of the Holy Spirit that God's forgiveness had happened 55 years ago, the moment he asked God to forgive him. God is a God of love. El Salvador and Haiti and Japan and Africa, and downtown Chicago. And your life stories and my life story understand one thing. God is a God of love. That great verse, John 3.16. God so loved the world, doesn't say he so loved the world, that he went halfway across the world to adopt you as his sons and daughters. It says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that you and I might be adopted as his sons and daughters. And when we're adopted as his sons and daughters, we have full rights in the kingdom. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, should not be lost to fear and worry, but should have everlasting life. Two days before Valentine's Day. Roses from God to you. God is a God of love.
In his powerful name, amen. Would you rise as we pray? What prompts the Girl Scouts to do their cancer care packages? God is a God of love. What prompted Doreen DeBoer to start this All God's People ministry so many years ago? And it has grown so mightily because God is a God of love. What enables people to have peace beyond the human understanding when they are confronted with their greatest nightmares? What brings that peace to them? God comes. Why does he come? Because God is a God of love. That dear child, 15 years of age, when I walk to school, I have my books in one hand, and I try and imagine that Jesus is in my other hand, guarding and protecting and loving me. May it be so for all of your children. In our Lord's powerful name, amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.